This is the CGN Mission and Methods Podcast. This episode was recorded along the Ortega Highway in Southern California in January of 2019. Welcome to the CGN Mission and Methods podcast, the official podcast of the Calvary Global Network. It's I'm Kellen Criswell. It's the official one. Ed. Wow. Hey, what, can there, you just calm there, down? Are there, unofficial, are there unofficial versions there, of the podcast? There are. Okay. I just want people to understand the yes. legitimacy This is the of, real of podcast. This There's platform. not like these people out there hacking podcasts. This is the real deal. Well, you never know. You I never mean, know. We're, we're a big I deal, understand. so there are targets out there. Counterfeits. Yeah, I got it. That's right. So we are the, the, official, the official podcast right. of the Calvary Global I'm happy Network. to be on that. As I said, I am Kellen Criswell. And, and I, I am, am your host today. I am not that. You're going to learn about that guy in just a moment. Our guest is, how, how would you like me to refer to you? You have a, a like motivational 75 speaker who lives titles. in a van down by the river. Okay, that's that's my favorite. That, it is. That I is. mean, we could call you pastor, yes. missiologist, yes. author, doctor even. I have many leather guy bound by books the in my office, smells of rich <laughs> mahogany. I'm a Christian, so I don't know what you're talking exactly. about. Exactly. Right amen. Now. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Okay, believe it or not, in spite of this this um, uh, you know very highbrow introduction to this episode, we are going to talk about biblical theology of mission. We're in favor of those things and church planting methods. Do you think you're up for that? Ed? I, I've heard of both of those things. You've I'm heard of both of them. Okay. Are you going to tell them that we're like in a church van? Um, gosh, you know, I was I was trying to get around this, but it's it, kind of it, like it, comedians it, in cars or what was that? Carpool karaoke. Jerry, what we're really comedians saying is comedians in cars Jer- getting coffee. Yeah, yeah, Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, and his comedians in cars getting coffee. I'm a Christian. I was, I was busy. <laughs> he watching. totally ripped us off. He did on 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 his whole idea. So this is pastors in cars getting so, coffee. Yeah. So so last time, if for those of you who've been tuning in, and we thank you, uh, the, the millions you you heard the. <laughs> You heard from uh, myself and Pastor Brian Broderson, who's also with us, uh, and Pastor Richard Semino. We'll, we'll get to him okay, too. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So we were we recorded last time uh, from the Central Hotel in Dublin City Center in Dublin, Ireland, and today it's it's really I think it's even maybe a little more special. It is than that it context. Is. What do you think, Brian? Well, my yes. Don't hurt I, us. Don't. I really you know sitting on a bed in a hotel. Doing a podcast is a little easier than driving <laughs> on a long and winding road through the uh, Ortega Highway. Yes. Yeah. So, so if you yes. hear a screech and a scream yeah. in the middle it, of our we podcast. Might, we might go over a cliff. You never know. So Yeah. Yeah. So ignore ignore um, any Apple Maps noises, any sirens. Uh, in, wow. That sirens. You, you may. Wait, 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 wait to set may. the bar high. We don't know what's going to happen. So ignore any yeah, sirens. I'm, I don't think I'm a prophet. I love so. Calvary Chapel. Yeah. Yeah. I love Calvary Chapel. <laughs> yes, yes. So, okay. All right. So we are, this is fun though. I yes. mean, we all, we've all agreed this is the first, soon, I think. this is a first for all of us doing yes. a podcast in the car, driving from a, an undisclosed location <laughs> in Southern California <laughs> to the missions conference, uh, the Calvary Chapel, Calvary Global Network 2019 missions conference. So At, how do you say, is it Murrieta? It's Murrieta. Murrieta. Yeah, for the Murrieta. Gentiles. Yes, for the Gentiles. And, yeah. Thank you. I, I am among the Gentiles. This <laughs> yeah. Is true. The campus of Calvary Chapel Bible College. So Ed, as we get into the actual content matter yes. here, I thought, you know, believe it or not, yes. some of our audience may not be familiar with you. Of course. So 
it'd be great. You just tell us a little bit about your family, what your current life and ministry is looking like these days. I have three daughters and one wife. Wow. Um, we live in the Chicagoland area where I lead the Billy Graham Center there. And um, gosh, my wife's Donna. She's amazing. And uh, mm. and I can tell you more about my daughters. I have three daughters, which is which is both a statement of my situation and a desperate <laughs> prayer request for help and strength as yeah. they're all around teenage years. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm the interim pastor at interim teaching pastor at church in Chicago called the Moody church. That's super awesome. Fun. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm a professor. So I, I teach graduate students. I'm the Dean of the, the school there. So mm. yeah, great, great fun. Got a great team that makes all that happen. It sounds like it's more than it is. Um, but it's really, you know, we have dozens of people who work to make all that magic happen. Yeah. Awesome. So tell us about the Billy Graham Center. What's going on there? So the Billy Graham Center is both a building and inside that building is the Billy Graham Center Museum, which has gotten a real increased uh, renewed interest because of uh, Mr. Graham's recent death. And so we've, uh, you can actually go through and it's a history of American evangelism. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a unique kind of setting. Also the Billy Graham Center archives are and you have to put on your nerd hat to make this awesome but <laughs> but like you know within 50 feet of my office is the actual journal where Jim Elliot wrote that you know he is no fool you know the, the, that very famous quote before yeah, his death right. and what's so, the rest of it what's uh, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot <laughs> keep to gain, gain what he cannot okay. lose right I think that's what it is well, thanks for thanks for embarrassing just a, just me. Just a test there. Thanks you for know, embarrassing I, I, me. And I want to thank yeah. Pastor Brian Broderson for helping me out there. You know, I am a missiologist with a PhD in the field. And the I, journal's five feet from your desk. Yes, you know? it is. Not five feet. You, your oh, math sorry, is hard sorry. with you. I understand. Um, but, yeah, so so we – and lots of things like that. So it's very neat to see the archives there. Yeah, it is. That's amazing. They're just historic, yeah. just historic stuff. Um, yeah, so that's the Billy Graham Center building. But then the ministries uh, is where – what I specifically focus in on – and we have the Send Institute, which is the North American think tank for church planting. We have yeah. the Institute for Prison Ministries, the Evangelism Initiative. There's all these different yeah. uh, initiatives and, and institutes, the Billy Graham Center Institute itself, that all come under that. Yeah, that is a ton going on. Good, it's good stuff. We have a great team. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. All right, well, so we're on the Mission and Methods podcast, yes. Ed. And one of the things that we want to do with the podcast for our audience is to have people like yourself come on and help us think through issues in um, mission theology. And so I thought it would be fun. You kind of did this a little bit at our, uh, what is my home church, Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, this past Sunday at the time of this recording, where you gave a, gave us a kind of a bit of a sense of a biblical theology of mission. Mm-hmm. And I just wondered if you would be willing to do that for us today. Just give us a kind of the overview nuts and bolts of how you would talk about a biblical theology of mission. Yeah. So, I mean, mission is both a construct of theology and a producer of theology. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, mission is rooted in the identity of God himself. One of the things that, um, and I think, you know, a lot of times we say that, um, and I think it's rightly understood that if you find things new in the Bible, it's probably not true in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in other words, you don't discover new theological right. ideas, but really in the last hundred years, Christians who deeply love the Word of God have really read and seen that mission is a lot more prevalent throughout the scriptures than maybe we expected. Let me give you an example. Um, you know, if you look just, for example, the thread of God's mission to the nations or to the tongues of the men of the nations, you'll see, you know, God creates languages and then at Babel, he scatters languages 
and then in Isaiah and Psalms, the people of God are to bring up the nations to Jerusalem mm-hmm. so they might yeah. praise him in languages. And then in Acts 2, there's the miraculous outpouring of tongues and languages. But in Acts 1-8, you're sent out to all the nations so that in Revelation 7, men and women from every tongue, tribe, and nation can gather around the throne. So when you see these threads that sort of are woven through the scripture, in that case, clearly the mission is so that men and women from every tongue, tribe, and nation might give eternal praise, uh, that then shapes, and it's a hermeneutic or a way of seeing the scripture. So mission is rooted in the identity of God himself. God is a sender. Mm -hmm. When he self-reveals himself in Isaiah, he says, here I am, Lord, excuse me, Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me in response right, to God right. saying, in, and actually in plural, which which is one of those self-revelatory moments, mm-hmm. says, who will go for us? Whom shall we send? Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. God sends Abram, later Abraham, Jonah. We see yeah. you know, God sends, uh, God the Father sends God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus sends the church as the Father has sent me, so send I you. So God who sends is an important attribute of the very nature of God himself. Mm-hmm. And engaging that truth makes us understand that we ourselves are a sent people mm-hmm. because we follow a, uh, a, a missional savior who has sent us on mission. So his name and fame would be more widely known. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and, and one of the things I've heard you touch on before, I think is, is valuable is how this idea of being the sent people of God, it's not something that's just reserved for, uh, you know, what we might think of typically as church leaders or missionaries and so on. But there's the whole people of God has a kind of a sent identity. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. And I think that's key for us to sort of, uh, for to understand, because if we see ourselves, if we see, for example, you know, missionaries, you know, we're, we're on this, we're on this church van trip to a missions conference. Right. (laughs) Um, But missionaries are sent, they're sent by the church to do Mm cross-cultural missions and more. But um, all of God's people are sent. And acknowledging the sentness of all of God's people means that everybody who's been redeemed, been transformed by the power of the gospel, now is to live as an agent of God's mission in the world. Actually, what I'll preach on uh, a few minutes at this conference and mm-hmm. is, is actually uh, the reality that, um, that, that God's people individually are sent on God's mission. The only question is where, among whom, and doing what. And I'll use the language of an ambassador which Paul refers to himself in 2 Corinthians 5 as, and, and also in Ephesians, as an ambassador. But Christians have rightly applied that to themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, we are ambassadors for Christ, 2 right. Corinthians 5. And so that's, we're here to represent a king, a kingdom in the midst of a broken and hurting world. Mm-hmm. And so w- with that idea of each of us being sent, being commissioned by God, how would you break that down? I mean, what does that look like for like a single mom or um, just a, just a family man just doing his job, living his life? How how does being sent kind of form their approach? Yeah, I mean, the, the theological presuppositions I'm making here are that every believer is called to the ministry. Every mm-hmm. believer is sent on mission. First mm-hmm. Peter 4.10 says, as each one has received a special gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Mm-hmm. So that's the ministry that's evident. John 20, 21 talks about the mission, Jesus talking to his disciples 
as the Father has sent me, so send I you. Mm-hmm. Now, that mission can be expressed and that ministry can be expressed in different ways mm-hmm. and also in different seasons. You mentioned the single mom or, right. you know, so so for me, I, I, we had a couple in our church. Gosh, this was five years ago. And they had two kids and decided they weren't going to have any more kids. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, people decide that for. And they, um, one thing led to another and she ended up pregnant. And they went to the doctor and the doctor, you know, they did the sonogram, the tech did the sonogram. And the tech kind of was making kind of a face, a little, not a bad face, but something was strange. So the tech went and got the doctor. The doctor looked. Well, in the course of this thing, they joked and said, well, listen, we didn't plan to have any more kids. And, but if it's twins, we'll be fine. And, you know, trying to make a nervous joke. And the doctor responded, well, it's not twins. It's actually triplets. Mm-hmm. So without, you know, triplets are happen sometimes when people are taking <laughs> medication, but they went from they went from two to five in one day. They went from a man to man to a zone defense in one day. And so I think someone like that can say, Ed, I'm at a season I'm a time yeah. that I'm not gonna be engaged in mission. I'm I'm not gonna be engaged in ministry. I mean, they weren't we, we ministered to them. You know, mm-hmm. they look exhausted sure. all the time. Yeah. But the problem is, I think every Christian, most Christians, I mean, literally the majority of Christians kind of act like they just had triplets when really they just aren't engaged in the mission that God has called them to. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the distinction between the two. So the normative expression of the Christian life is to be on mission and in ministry. But it, what's the situation with that single mom? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what's yeah. the situation with that dad? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I think if we have that posture and look for those opportunities, our churches, right now, the majority of people in the majority of churches are unengaged in meaningful ministry and mission. And I think by having a different posture as a church on mission, I think that changes that for the better. Mm. That's great. Gracious balance. Appreciate that a lot. Um, for, I guess on more of a pastoral question, thinking through this, you know, sometimes congregations, we, we can slip into a place where we think of missions and being on mission as something that's happening somewhere else in the world, not just right here in our church, in our local community. And what advice would you have for pastors on how to pastorally guide congregations in um, adopting this kind of perspective and thinking of themselves more as a sent people together on mission in their community, as opposed to just missions being something they put money at or go visit on a short term or or something like that? Well, first, I want them to do those things, and I know you do as well. Um, So I, I think not to, one of the concerns I had in the last few years is, you know, as everyone sort of got interested in mission, they sort of got less interested in missions. Mm-hmm. So let's clarify our terms for right, missional right. theology. So mission is uh, what God's doing in the world that we join him in, all of God's people joining in all of what God is doing in the world. So you can be on mission by being in a prayer ministry. You can be on mission by by knitting knitting blankets for yes, right. for the poor and the and and those without. Missions is gen- missions is actually not a bible word. Uh, mission is closer to a Bible word, but not actually a Bible word. Uh, it would be more uh, apostolos, apostle or sentness. So missions is a word that we use generally to describe that often cross-cultural or vocational endeavor where you're doing something, you're starting something, you're to the margins and the marginalized, often something outside of direct local church ministry. Mm-hmm. So if that's <laughs> what we mean, we want more missions 
Uh, we want everyone on mission and we want more missions. Now, back to your yes. point. I think making that clear yeah. is that everyone's called to mission. So find a place, say yes, um, and then be open to what that may be, even to the place that it may be uh, something that escalates to something you didn't expect, where you're actually moving to Dubai uh, with your business, with your job, with your company, and being a uh, cross-cultural missionary at the expense of your Fortune 500 company where, mm -hmm. with whom you work. Yeah. So I think teaching and preaching the totality of the mission and holding up the priority of global missions is something we can do at the same time. We can walk and chew gum. We can focus on both mm -hmm. as a church. Yeah. That's great. And, and for those of you who are listening, if you heard me chuckle in the middle of, of Ed's uh, uh, beautiful explanation. Yes, because you were mocking my explanation. <laughs> it's yeah. not because I was mocking yeah. it. It's because I actually thought Pastor Brian was going to drive us into a ravine. Yeah. It was that near-death <laughs> moment that we <laughs> that we were anticipating. But wouldn't it be great, though, so, if we were to go on to be with the Lord in the middle of a podcast about you know, his mission? There are, there are a few better ways to go there out. There is. And know? Brian Broderson yeah. may indeed make that possible. So, yeah. Brian, you're driving, but the microphone's near you. Yeah, you don't um, know right up there, Brian? Did you know what this was like, this road that we're on? Well, Ed, I did give you a little bit of an advanced warning. I did. You, you talked about a winding, winding road. road, but you didn't tell me so, it's Death Canyon. I song. <laughs> I think I've seen this yes, movie. Yes, yes. This is the Ortega Highway. And my biggest concern at this moment is that at some point, uh, Kellen might get sick and throw up on <laughs> yeah. the back of my head. Well, yes, I'm already true. sick. So, We're just praying against well, the throw to up quick, at this To quote point, the yeah. great, the great um, program Wayne's World, if he blows <laughs> blows chunks and and you stay, then you guys are truly a team. So we don't want you to blow chunks. So try to try to avoid that. It is it is in the back seat. It's a little bit uh, queasy back here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You hold it up okay. So you're with me now. I am. Right? I'm you were actually mocking me this. earlier. Now, now you're one of us. Uh, you yeah. know, that's uh, we're gonna take so that out. So if you guys need any air, it is a little we're, warm in here. So yeah, yeah. No, it's I think I it's, think it's suddenly yeah, about yeah. 104 degrees. Yeah. I think I'm gonna roll down the window <laughs> so I can hurl. Yes. Uh, all right, go ahead. Yeah, so Brian, <laughs> as, as much as we've got Ed here, it's it's not like you haven't done a few things yourself. And and I would love to hear your thoughts on that too. You, you've obviously got a long history of uh, mobilizing and releasing and sending people to the mission field. And maybe you would want to comment on that. Just to the degree that you're able without killing us <laughs> yeah. by going over this. Yeah, you know. Because I know. see, I was at 30 mile per hour curves up ahead. Okay, yeah, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> I'd yeah. like to thank the and Lord for his goodness. we've got about 400 cars behind us because everybody wants to go 80, yeah. not 30 on this Yeah, road, you're, so. you can drive faster. I don't mind. <laughs> Kellen, yeah. Kellen might be a little bit weaker than me, but I'm strong. <laughs> yeah, I, like, so, I like how they blink the lights at you when you're yes. going slow. Yeah, I, you know, at this point, I just, you know, Ed is, uh, he's brilliant, and his answers are, I, you know, I couldn't even begin to compare to those Fantastic wow. answers he just gave. He wow. doesn't need any more of that. Brian. I'm not sure. So. He's, I'm not sure if he's being serious. <laughs> well, you know, I, you are my professor, so I'm, uh, I'm honored of, to be your you professor. Know, working on that grade here. Exactly. Um, Obviously. <laughs> yeah. So it's actually a class project. Yeah, we, uh, of course. Yeah, this is what we want to do. You know, as uh, I mean, I want to do that as a pastor. I, I want to do it in my own life. I want to encourage. God's people to live missionally and of course we've been doing cross-cultural missions for 30 years 
And I want to keep doing that. I love that. Like we said, we're on our way to a mission conference right now. We got, you know, maybe 500 folks or so here at the conference, uh, people from all around the world. And, you know, missions to me is just, it's just such a wonderful, wonderful thing to go uh, to other people, places, languages, and to see the gospel take root, people's lives changed. You know, I remember going into uh, the former Soviet Union, going into Russia, going into Moscow. I remember years ago meeting guys who, you know, were in the Russian military and had been atheists and uh, then, you know, wanted to kill everybody. And then they came to faith and they wanted to serve Jesus. And, um, you know, you just see things like that and it changes you and you, you know, you rejoice. And so, yeah, yeah, it's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Brian. We'd like to invite you to the CGN When Leaders Lead Women's Conference happening March 15th through the 19th at our Murrieta Hot Springs Conference Center. The conference is designed to help equip and encourage women to serve the Lord and to grow in their understanding of His Word. This year, our theme is We Want to See Jesus. It is our prayer that every word spoken would allow you to see Jesus more clearly, deepen your love for Him, and equip you to share His love with the world around you. Speakers this year include New York Times best-selling children's author Sally Lloyd-Jones and Cheryl Broderson. The CGN When Leaders Lead Conference is for women of all ages. Come and be equipped and inspired to lead and serve and walk in His call with joy. Register now at WLL.CCCM.com. That's WLL.CCCM.com. You pay the cost. So, how about if we transition a little bit and talk about church planting methods. You okay with that? I've heard of church yeah, planting. A little bit, right? You're, I love you, church planting. You've read planting. some things. Okay. Yes. All right. So, Ed, one of the things that you said this, again, this past Sunday from the time of this recording when you're speaking at Calvary Costa Mesa was you made this great comment. You said we should hold our Jesus and our gospel firmly and our methods loosely. Yeah. Could you flesh that out for us a little yeah, bit? Yeah. So, I think, I think there are um, certain marks of a biblical church that should be present everywhere and every place and every time. I, I've kind of written some of this out. I talk about six marks of a, of a biblical church. And, you know, there are certain things that a church should look, have some things in common in Senegal and in Singapore and in Southern California. But in many other places and ways, I mean, the how of church planting is in many ways determined by the who, when, and where of culture. Mm-hmm. So uh, when, you know, when Brian was planting churches in, in Europe, that looked different. There were different approaches, different methodologies. So I've planted, and depending sort of how you, how you count, there were six churches that called me senior pastor or planter. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of them, I sort of just got started Bible studies, then turned over to some church planters I hired on our staff of our church. Yeah. And were those in the States all? Yeah, or? yeah, all in the States. So Buffalo, New York, um, Erie, Pennsylvania is where we did three. Uh, Nashville, I just left the church plant about two and a half years ago. Uh, and then uh, North Georgia, Atlanta area. So, um, so in each of those places, they're just different. And so I think you're going to ask questions, missional and missiological questions, about what's the best way to plant a church in this, in this context. So, um, so, for example, sometimes people, person will come to me and say, I really want to plant a blank church. And I, mm-hmm. I sometimes try to ask them, okay, well, 
maybe you should know more about the mission field mm. before you decide the mission strategy. Mm-hmm. And so for me, you know, I, I would, I, I mean, I, in some places, and give, put me in some major cities, I'm going to have a house church strategy. Um, in some places, I'm going to have a, you know, meet in a movie theater and, you know, grow and go to multiple services strategy. So I think that's kind of key. And also, too, I mean, there's so many things like worship approach. Yeah, you know, there's right. no, there's no like, notes in the Bible. So, <laughs> yeah. and even the things that are in the, like, Selah is in the Psalms. We don't actually know what that means. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, you know, people say it means pause or different things, but nobody knows for sure. So God didn't give us a musical style and say, this is the one. So that means we're going to have to use musical style. What Are we going to dress up? Are we going to be casual? Are we going to have a long service, a short service? So there's so many things, but the problem is Christians often lack the maturity to see that somebody could hold the same gospel, have the same six universal marks of a biblical church, um, and look different from church to church. Now, if you send them to to Africa or to you know, South America or to Asia, they would rejoice that, oh, look how different that looks. That's, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But it makes them uncomfortable when they see it locally. So the end result is, is that, yeah, the hold our models loosely, the models of church planting and even the models of church. Not, not loosely doesn't mean without, you know, without theological thought or marks of a biblical church and more, but then to hold that gospel firmly because the gospel, you plant the gospel, it creates a church, but it creates a church among a people mm-hmm. and they have languages and cultures and context. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, some of the articles uh, that I've been seeing coming through the mission group with uh, Ed Stetzer, is that, that's a new churches thing, isn't it? No, the new churches thing is the direct church planting ministry gotcha. that I yeah. do at Lifeway. It's a resource ministry. Oh, okay. okay. And the mission group, edstetzer.com, is post just articles and we've been doing a church okay. planting series right now. Great. Yeah. And it's, and it's been, it's been a good series, but the ones I've been seeing coming through this week are about finding the right church planting model. Yep. And so yep. with this conversation, you're saying a lot of it is the when, the where, the who needs to determine uh, that, that in many ways shapes the model that you go with. That's right. What would be some uh, practical things that, you know, a church planners setting out church planning team, they want to go into a community. What are some things that they should be asking? What's an approach to figuring out that right model? Yeah. So how, how am I going to connect with people? So, yeah. Um, when I was in Nashville, we rented a movie theater, a Regal Cinema. We deserved the best way to do it was we did some community impact events, maybe some servant outreach evangelism. Uh, we did some direct mail and we uh, did a large launch approach. So we had, you know, I don't remember off the top of my head, is it 266 maybe uh, at our first service? And then you immediately drop down to maybe 130 or so. But it's also Nashville, you know, so there's differences that are there. But, you know, when I planted my first church in Buffalo, we we had our first service with uh, 21 people in a, in a living room, dropped down to nine. And, you know, a lot of looky-loos and well-wishers mm-hmm. came the yeah, first time. Right. You know, I'm, I'm denominationally affiliated, so our denominational leaders came. But we had nine people, started meeting in a living room, and just grew from there, bought a building years later. So what's the... What's the best gathering method is a question you're going to ask. Mm-hmm. What's the best evangelism strategy? 
all those things would sort of be in that category of the best model to use. Okay, and and when you think, I mean, obviously you're you're well known as a as a researcher in this whole field of missiology and church planning and all that. And so, as you're doing that kind of work right now, are there trends that you're observing in church planting, kind of more generally that are encouraging to you, concerning to you? What do you what are you seeing right now? No, I definitely see trends. Um, I think the large launch is much less common. Uh, really, partly, that surprises me. Yeah, I think part. I mean, it's still out there, but mm-hmm. partly because, you know, we're in Southern California. So let's say I do a direct mail piece. Um, you know, when I planted Mill Creek Community Church in the mid '90s, I don't even remember. We sent out thirty thousand mailers, and we had like two hundred people show up at the first service. Um, but when we, you know, planted a church in in uh, let's say North Georgia, you know, we can send out flyers, mailers all day long. But everybody who was sitting around at home, get who would get a mailer that say, "Hey, listen, we got a great new cool church coming to town," yeah. already got twelve of those great new mailers. You know, the last four months. You know, so so I, I think part of it is Southern California. I mean, if if I'm at home, like again, mid '90s, this was different. So I'm in Erie, Pennsylvania, in the mid '90s, and I'm waiting uh, for the right time to plant church. So we sent out these mailers. We say it's going to be a you know new church, contemporary church, whatever. There were no contemporary churches in town. Now, I mean, Southern California. That's if I wanted to go to a great new contemporary church, I'd already be going to Calvary Chapel. I'd be going to Mariners. I'd be going to Saddleback, whatever. So I think that makes the difference. So, so, so in that case, I mean, when you're in the shadow, I mean, if I was, I, I don't know, I haven't planted a church in Southern California, but if I'm planting a church in Southern California, I would think that I'd spend a lot more time building relationships rather than advertising a great new church just because there are a lot of great churches around. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> that's really interesting. So one of the things I was doing this week, I was reading your second edition of Planting Missional Churches. When did that come out? That came out pretty recently, right? I guess in the last couple of years, maybe, maybe two and a half years ago. Okay. Yeah. And, and this time co-written with Daniel and... Yeah, that's right. So yeah. basically Daniel did most of the revision and then I added... I, he probably did two thirds of revision. I had about a third, and because you know, planning missional churches has been out ten years. Yeah, and so we updated it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And Daniel's a great guy. For those of you listening who may not know Daniel, you should check Daniel M out as well. We had him speak this past year at our uh, international conference. I did and, not know that. Yeah. Wait, you, I think I did know. You that. didn't know that. I did know that. Oh, I did. Okay, I, I'm okay. a little slow, but I remember it now. Yeah, yeah. It was great. Great having Daniel down. But uh, anyway, so I'm, I'm reading your book this week, and I'm I'm reading some of the sections on church planting and models, methodology, and these kinds of things. And I was thinking of J.D. Payne. And um, I I love J.D. Payne, read a lot of his stuff, listen to his podcast. But um, one of the, I think it's apostolic church planting. And he uh, writes that church planting is evangelism and discipleship that results in churches, looking specifically at the New Testament and the way things unfold in Acts. And I know that I, I, I really relate to a lot of stuff J.D. So says. So you like J.D. stuff. You I like do, it. I do like him. Yeah, yeah I do like him. That's disappointing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a big fan. But let's message him. You did not time. tell me that we would be driving by this. Is that like Los Angeles over there? What are that we looking is, at over there? That is Lake Elsinore. Lake Elsinore. It's, wow. It's dark. You can't see the lake. That yeah. is very cool. Well, you've got yeah. some cool places around there. So, J.D. Cool. J.D. Uh, yeah. J.D. Let me tell you a little why fun about J.D. Let's do it. He was my grader. Okay, so, so this when, is why you don't like him. No, I love JD. JD, <laughs> we just brought JD onto our North American Missiologist Council. So I'm a, awesome. I'm yeah. a, I just full disclosure on this podcast, 
I tried to hire JD six months ago. He turned <laughs> and he went me to down, Sanford. and he went to Sanford yeah. instead. So Beeson Divinity or Sanford itself, right? Yeah. So, and I'm a graduate there. So I'm. It's a win for my alma mater. Yeah. But uh, but he turned me down and took that job instead. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, with part of what JD's and not in any kind of ungenerous way, but I think that what part of what he's doing in that book and in other places, he's he's raising a bit of caution about what he calls kind of the pop up church model. Oh, no, which it's is, exactly what you're yeah. not being ungenerous. I mean, we have had shouting arguments, JD and I, about this. You, okay. Because okay. he's kind of the yeah. voice that's saying that the approaches and I, and I think he's saying it well that the approaches that we are using which is for me i would say one of several that i would want that i that yeah. i'd say let's still use that's kind of um, what i'm getting at. yeah, yeah. And so the last yeah. time we had our north american missiologist council meeting we got into that and he's saying we gotta come up with some new ways i'm saying i agree with you gotta we gotta have new ways but at the same time we can't eliminate the ways that most people are using now right and then he said i'm not saying that so we had this great verbal argument in awesome. front of like 15 people and then i <laughs> i took the table and threw it at him <laughs> No, I didn't do that. And he got a whip of cords. He did. Yeah, he, did yeah. kind of, he drove us out yeah. of the temple. But he's and I like JD's. JD's thinking these ways now. Now again, he's not anti. I mean, JD was the minister of missions at, uh, gosh, Brook Brook Hills Church of Brook Hills. Yeah, right. With uh, David Platt. David Platt yeah, was there for yeah. a while, and so so he's they plant churches all different ways. But JD is convinced, and I'm partly convinced. JD is wholly convinced that the current methodologies need to be um, reconsidered what I well, the way I would phrase it would probably be different is I think we need more large lunch and other methodologies that JD would want to reconsider and simultaneously we need to explore some new methodologies well probably JD would probably say that too so we agree more than we disagree mm-hmm. okay okay and and I, I guess what it sounds like I somewhat hear from JD and probably resonate a bit with is uh, I guess for me I'm a bit bipolar because on the one hand I really like to think strategically and all of these kinds of things. And yet I also heed the warning of some, I guess, regarding pragmatism and things like that. So do you feel like that's part of the pushback that's coming from guys like JD on this? And how do you feel about that? Uh, Is there a danger in pragmatism? Yeah, in sure. Planning I think this? The, let me just say that. Yes. I mean, so okay. I'm sort of and I'm a maybe I'm strange. When I go to, you're pra- definitely, I'm strange. definitely strange. When I go to pragmatic conferences, I tend to preach on the, the danger of pragmatism, um, or some. I don't frame it that way, but I often talk about theological foundation or whatever it may be. And when I go to anti-practical places, I tend to say, "Hey, you really got to think through some methods." And I would say, you know, this is not dissimilar to what last time I was here at this conference center. Mm-hmm. Murrieta. 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 Murr. Um, mur, mur. <laughs> Am um, I saying that right, Brian? I'm not even a true Southern Californian, so. Well, you know, it's spelled M-U-R-R, so you figure it out. Murr. Murrieta. <laughs> I, yeah, okay. Murrieta. It's not Marietta. That, not Marietta. That's, that's a place in Georgia. That's what everybody wants you to know. It's yeah. not Marietta. Okay. All right. It's so that's Marietta. a place in Georgia. So last time you were here. Yeah, so last yeah. time I was here. I mean, if you recall, that's kind of what I pushed on, is that I, I kind of, I think, some Calvary Chapel uh, folks, uh-huh. and it's it's common. And it's the, the the Reformed people are this way. There are Charismatics that are this way. It's sort of don't worry about methods. Just you know, the Reformed people say, just preach the Bible verse by verse, uh-huh. and and the church will you know emerge. Um, I guess can we use the word emerging? I don't even know. <laughs> um, and then Charismatics say, just trust the Spirit of God, and the yeah. church will whatever. And and I I really think that that. We have 2,000 years of mission history, missions history, to know 
that we should we should trust the Spirit of God. We should preach verse by verse for that matter. That's what I prefer. Mm-hmm. Um, but simultaneously, we should ask, how would God best direct us to use our uh, our wisdom to be practical? Now, pragmatism and practical are not necessarily the same thing. So pragmatism says, do whatever it takes to grow or plant or accomplish that. That's not what I'm interested in doing. But I am interested in asking the, what are the practical, even the pragmatic approaches that we should use in this time, in this place, in this culture, in this context, so that we can be most effective in planting and growing churches that are biblically faithful and engage the culture yeah. around them. Yeah, I think that's a really helpful distinction uh, just for me, just between pragmatism and being practical. That's, I think that's a great way to put that. So one of the things I appreciate appreciate about you, Ed, being a Calvary guy myself, is you're, you, I know you've appreciated yourself, just the history of Calvary. You're aware of it. You've thought a lot about it. And you know, I think you have a good perspective on it. So I wanted to ask you in part, because most of our audience are leaders, missionaries, pastors from the Calvary world. If you'd have any particular encouragements or thoughts that you'd want to share with that audience in mind. Well, I love, I mean, I, I've got a man crush on Calvary Chapel. <laughs> so I think that, I mean, you know, I, I think I think I mentioned a church on Sunday. I'm writing a book on some of the movements that emerged out of the Jesus movement. So, and I, and I you know, 20 years ago, I was sitting in the back of Calvary Chapel I'm trying to understand more of what God has done through here. And there's actually a study I have. It's never been published. I didn't do it, but a group uh, came and visited a bunch of movements, you know, yeah. Calvary Chapel, Vineyard, you know, Willow Creek, Purpose Driven. Yeah. And they consistently said Calvary Chapels have the highest conversion rates of any place that they've seen, on and on and on. So I'm... My uh, question would be, yeah. how do people know that? Because... So they interviewed people at the church they attended. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so It just I, doesn't actually, seem like there's a lot of... Uh, and for our own fault as yeah. Calvary in terms of openness in some ways, a lot of real robust studies. Yeah, you guys, you guys because because of some of the anti-pragmatic approaches, uh-huh. research isn't as valued in some cases. I actually, I'll, I'll show Brian and he can decide if he wants to share with others, but I have the, and basically what they did is they just surveyed, went, into, went to churches, asked people at the churches, should you come to Christ here? Mm-hmm. Um, and then look for the ones that had among the highest and Calvary was consistently, and particularly now this was, this was a decade plus ago. Right. So I'm, I don't know, you know, now where that is, but you know, so all that being said, I mean, I, I think that Calvary uh, has a, um, a powerful heritage. The challenge is that we've seen this, those who are most successful in the last paradigm often have most dif- the most difficulty when culture changes engaging in a new paradigm. Mm-hmm. So that's why IBM doesn't sell computers anymore. That's why Xerox is not a, generally a film company anymore. Is they, um, and, and, that's, and that's why Southern Baptists, you know, Southern Baptists are ready to go. Um, if, if the 50s come back, Southern Baptists are completely ready and prepared to engage the culture. Well, I would say in a lot of Calvary chapels, you know, if the 80s come back, they're ready and prepared to engage the culture. (laughs) And so either way, they're not necessarily engaging the culture as well as we would desire them to in 2019. So I think the unchanging gospel needs to engage the changing cultural context and a movement that largely was founded upon engaging culture within a natural way can then set its culture in an unnatural way because it becomes a culture preserver. And so the church becomes a colony of culture 
of 30 years ago that we've got to ask how do we engage the culture where we find ourselves today so my exhortation to calvary chapel i mean such gifts that the lord has given a, yeah. a heart for expository preaching a heart for evangelism um a passion for the work of the holy spirit um a global missions heart and passion and so much more there's so many gifts that god has given calvary chapel uh calvary global, calvary global network and more my hope is is that those gifts would be lived out and engaged in 2019. Yeah, so so Brian, as a just listening to that, this a friendly outsider kind of looking in and commenting on how he would see how things have been in Calvary. How would you respond to that? What do you think about that? Well, I I think Ed's uh, assessment is really um, I think it's quite accurate, really, and I think that that is honestly part of the reason why we created the global network was because we recognized some of those things that that he mentioned that we sort of did get stuck culturally Mm -hmm. and so uh, you know my desire and and prayer and mission in one sense is you know to see us not do that because I I agree with that I think you know with our our exposit emphasis on expository teaching our you know, openness to the gifts of the spirit, our passion for evangelism and uh, missions. I mean, that's to me, that's what you want in a ministry. That's what you want in a in a network. So I, I feel like, man, it is the 21st century. Uh, let's just fully engage the 21st century. We're thankful for the heritage and all the great things God did in the past. Uh, and I believe he wants to do, you know, equal things in the future. And so we just need to to have that conviction that faith and we need to move forward awesome yeah that's that's a good word so all right well this has been a fun journey through the dark through the canyon of death yes uh, speaking with both of you yay though we drive through the canyon of death (laughs) let's just clarify that we did make it we did are we there i don't even know but we've got to go back through the canyon of death later in a couple of hours i think i'll be sitting in the front seat so that we're a little less nauseous in the backseat. Yes, absolutely. So as we wrap this up here real quick, Ed, I just wanted to ask you two more things. Uh, one, two this, more things. This is, a t- this is like, a, this is like an answers. ordinary pastor's sermon. Okay. You know, we got three or four landings, conclusions. Yes, exactly. But now this is just real quick. So one on resources and one on connection and access to your material. Yeah. So on the first hand, uh, what are some of the best? I've never heard someone use the phrase on the first hey, hand. You know what? I, I, I said I'm far I've heard like on the second on I'm, the second I'm hand. Part Part fearing for my life, okay. part holding the food in so, from right, lunch. So on, you know? on the first hand. <laughs> so on my first hand, yes. I would like to ask you, uh, what are some of the best resources that you're aware of right now for thinking through a theology of mission and thinking through these issues of church planning methods? Well, I would probably, well, those are two separate subjects. So I know most of them are written by Ed Stinson. No, no, in this case, no. They um, are two I've, separate, I've yes. not written on a, the- well, I've written a textbook on theology mission, but yeah. it's more of a five views book. Um, I would read Christopher Wright, um, The Mission of God. I think that's probably the best place for people to start. So Theology of of Mission. Yeah, Theology of Mission. Mm -hmm. The mission is called The Mission of God, and it's basically a biblical study Mm -hmm. of um, the mission of God in the the Bible. He's got other things on the Old Testament and more. So I think that would be the best place to start. If you really want to dig deep, there's other things. Not that that's, I mean, that's that's still deep in and of itself. Yeah. But this is a whole field. This is a field I teach at the (laughs) PhD Yeah, no offense, Christopher. Right, right. (laughs) So, but Christopher Wright's a beast. um, And leads the Langham Partnership and more. Mm -hmm. As far as church planting methods, 
what would be some resources? Well, you know, I, I would, you know, we've got the New Churches podcast. We talk about that. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when I teach church planning methods, which I haven't done for, for five, ten years, I actually have people, you know, use, if you want to look at a large launch methodology, we look at uh, that book, Launch. Who wrote, who did that? The guy was uh, Nelson Searcy. Or, and we contrast it with, you know, J.D. Payne's Appstock Church Planting. or So and there's, there's enough out there where you can get a feel for different approaches. And that's how I think you look at it. And then kind of look what's going to be best for what God's calling us to do in this place and this time. Awesome. And what's the easiest way for people to access your personal materials or even get in contact with you? Uh, EdStetzer.com, I okay. think, is probably uh, the best place from there. They can click links to Christianity Today, where I write a Christianity Today each day. Uh, I have a radio program on Moody, you know, just different stuff like that. But it's all can be found at edstetzer.com. All right. Well, thanks for a great chat, Ed. Appreciate it. Thank you. I'm just so glad we survived. We did. Um, Thank you, Pastor Brian. Well, for, whoa, whoa, wait, let's, <laughs> let's hold the vote on whoa, that. Whoa, that was exciting, Brian. That was way to end the podcast wow, strong. Wow. Did you plan that, Brian? <laughs> I did. That was very <laughs> Well, on, that, uh, on the note of that near-death experience, <laughs> thank you, uh, Pastor Brian, for taking care of us. Or not. <laughs> or mostly. And uh, to our listeners, again, thank you always for tuning in to the CGN Mission and Methods podcast. For more information about Calvary Global Network, to access the show notes for today's episode, or to subscribe to the podcast, check out cgn.calvarychapel.com. Mm-hmm.